friends. Thank you for listening to the Homes and Havens podcast, a place for conversations about home, healing, hospitality, and recovery. I cannot wait to introduce our guest for this episode, Kanisha Bikes. Kanisha is a home stylist, storyteller, creative, influencer, and encourager. But most of all, she is a woman who loves connecting with the hearts of others through home. She is the visionary behind her blog, Restoration House, and is a powerful voice on Instagram as well. On this episode, we dive into a conversation about Kanisha's journey to find the meaning of home after a difficult season in life, including various tensions she has faced on this journey as a woman of color, a military wife, and a determined creative. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed sharing this time with Kanisha. Welcome, Kanisha, to the podcast. Thank you so much for just um, carving some time out of your busy schedule. I know you're a wife and a mom and a busy woman, and um, I just really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us this morning. And um, before we get started, I just want to give you a moment to introduce who you are and um, just share with the audience um, the space that you hold online and um, just who you are as a woman. Yeah. So, um, obviously as, uh, Casey said, I'm, my name is Kenesha and I'm the creator, um, over at Restoration House blog and hold up, um, a lot of different spaces and wear a lot of different hats as a creative and as a mom and as a wife, but specifically with Restoration House, um, it started about 11 years ago and, um, it really started out with me doing furniture restoration and my husband and I, our family, we were a military family. So we moved, um, I'm originally from Alabama. We moved from Alabama to Florida, to Seattle, Washington, to Hawaii. And then now we are back in Seattle, um, almost 10 years later after our um, separation from the military. But when we lived in Hawaii, I, um, was probably in one of the darkest places I had really ever been as far as my, um, both spiritually and naturally. So both in my walk with um, God and then also my relationship with my husband. And it was just a really dark time for me. And um, I had in some ways lost what I say today is, you know, like all hope um, for any sense of normalcy in my life. Um, But God, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I was pregnant at that time was I pregnant? I'm like, I have so many kids. I can't even keep up with what was going on. But, um, no, I, I, I had three kids at that time. I wasn't pregnant yet. I was pregnant as, as we were leaving Hawaii. So I had three kids, all three kids under five, um, at that time. And, um, you know, I guess if anyone who's listening, you know, has kids and obviously Casey, you're a mom, you get it, you know, you get, sometimes into those ruts where you feel like, am I ever going to do anything else aside from teach kids how to be humans and, mm-hmm. you know, potty train, um, you know, and do all the things. And, yeah, you know, aside from what was a, already a really dark season, I think that coupled with that, it just made it even more dark. Um, so I found myself searching for um, something to give me life. And one of the things that God gave me at that time was a reminder that I was creative and um, having our kids and being in the military, really not having any money 
at all. Um, you get, you know, kind of ingenuitive and you, um, you learn how to create things for yourself that are a, you know, like a copy of what you can't afford. <laughs> so for me, it was furniture. And, um, you know, everybody at that time, you know, loved Pottery Barn and, um, you know, restoration hardware and like all these amazing, um, you know, furniture brands that cost lots of money. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and especially living in Hawaii, there was just no way to get the furniture there because either one, they didn't ship to Hawaii or two, it was just stupid expensive. So it just wasn't an option. So I, I ended up going to a lot of different, uh, thrift stores and, um, um, like furniture consignment shops on Island. We lived on Oahu at that time and, um, really haggling a lot of the, the shop owners and picking <laughs> up a lot of cheap things from, um, the thrift stores and buying them and bringing them home, putting them in our garage and beginning to kind of restore them. And remembering again, that that was a, you know, a hard time in my relationship with my husband and with God. Um, I would go out to the garage and turn on my worship music and kind of just begin to strip away layers of old, you know, um, you know, polyurethane and old paint and mm. um, take off old hardware and, you know, and just do a lot of uh, reconstruction, if you will, to um, stabilize a lot of the furniture. And as I was going through that process, um, God began to really speak to me and give me parallels between what I was doing and what was happening in my own life, both in the spiritual and the natural. And, mm -hmm. um, and it was a really pivotal time for me in my life. That was, um, that was almost 10 years ago. And, and now I'm 40. So I was around 30, 30 years old. And it's a, it's a, obviously naming my business now restoration house at that time, it was me and my house. Uh, and I just felt like God was like, I want you to change the name. Um, I am restoring you and I want to, you know, I want to give that to the world. I want to restore, I want to mm -hmm. redeem um, the world. And I want to, in some ways, do that through the gift that I've given you. So out of that um, was born that. Um, Restoration House. And that is not what I do today. I do not restore furniture today. Um, but I am in the business of um, restoring hearts and homes. And mm. I do that through uh, a lot of different creative um, ways. I am so drawn to your story because of the similarities in my own story. Um, we are sisters <laughs> from afar, for sure. Um, it was in that same time for me, right after I had um, Charlie, our son, who's three, and he was about three months old and I was just living in a fog of postpartum depression and just disoriented about my calling and mission. And I started doing the same thing as far as uh, furniture restoration goes, finding broken pieces and making it beautiful and something valuable and um, giving it a second life. And I just so love your story of restoration and how home can be such a place of beauty and um, symbolism, really, of taking something that's old or broken or discarded and making it something that's a treasure. And um, it's powerful because I think uh, I and I don't know about you, but I would love to hear your opinion on it. 
as far as the tension facing in the world, um, I felt really guilty at the beginning about spending money or time making my home something that was special to me. And um, and I think various parts of including Christian um, circles can really um, pass judgment on our love of creativity and um, spending time and attention on our homes. You know, there's that extreme mentality as far as you should sell everything you have and give it to the poor and, you know, travel to Africa. And um, but I would love for you to speak a little bit about your journey um, in your heart to come to those conclusions of home does matter and home is a place of restoration. Yeah. So um, I, I that's really interesting that you um, bring up the the aspect or the thought about, you know, just in the Christian world, if you will, that there can be so much judgment about, you know, people who tend to care for their homes maybe more than others. And, um, yeah, I love that thought. I think that for me, um, home and design and taking care of home, the idea of home, it's really funny because you know, I talk about this um, a lot, but in my life, home has always had this, these two, these, well, it's always, always represented like a contrast of worlds. So mm-hmm. growing up, my, my home wasn't um, emotionally, <laughs> spiritually, um, for the most part, it was tumultuous. Like my mm-hmm. mother, um, you know, dealt with, um, medic depression and, you know, mental instability for a large portion of my life. Um, and that affected me. Um, and I didn't come from a traditional home. I didn't grow up with my father. Um, we, I was in a home full of very strong women who were all amazing and, um, who I'm obviously so thankful for today, but, you know, growing up, there were a lot of things that I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. So, um, but on the flip side, um, there was a lot of love in our home. There was a lot of warmth. There was a lot of care and concern. Um, and aesthetically design in the design realm, um, my grandmother and my aunt both um, were loved design. They loved home. They loved um, curating, if you will, a space yeah. that felt good. And so I think um, just by default, that was something that was um, passed along to me. And Obviously, you know, like you, you grow up and you, you grow up with things and they just are what they are. You don't really think about them. But now as a 40 year old woman, I realize that a lot of the seeds um, that a lot of the things that I love today were the seeds of those things were planted, you know, 20, 30, you know, 40 years ago. Um, and I think that just speaking directly to, you know, this idea that if we take care of our homes then we forget other things and our homes um, become you know, the most important thing. I think that it's really, it really is important to speak to that because I think just about, um, you know, the heart of God and, and scripture mm. and um, what our, the intention um, is, you know, of home and, and like what home represents and what God intended for our homes to represent. Um, I think before we can even go out into the world and take care of the world, we have to first take care of home. And mm. um if you look, if you want to look at scripture, you look at Genesis and, um, you know, what God gave Adam and Eve, um, it was a home. I mean, mm. the garden, he gave them something to tend, to tend. Um, it was their home. The garden was their home. Um, 
And so I think if, if you, you know, make that connection or make that parallel between, you know, what God did at the very beginning, he gave man and woman something to tend to. Um, and in the very same way, he has given us something to tend to, and that is our homes. And, and even deeper than that, you know, not just our physical homes, which obviously, you know, we can talk about like the four walls, we can talk about, you know, the pretty carpets, the beautiful furniture, um, all the accessories and the things that we bring into our home. But I talk a lot about the home, the home of our heart. Mm-hmm. And um, that is also very much, I think our hearts are very much connected to our physical home. So tending even to the home of our heart before we can tend to the home that we physically, you know, that, that our shelter, you know, the things yes. that, that um, protect us. Um, it's just so funny. I think leaving language. And, I, and this is where I, I call myself a nerd because um, <laughs> <laughs> because I, I just like I think about just like the home of our heart and our physical homes and even those words like protect like what protects us, you know, I like our hearts guard us. It's just it's just so funny how God totally I mean, it's funny to me and it's funny to you. Right. It's funny to all of us sometimes, but it's really not funny to God because it's he's so intentional mm-hmm. um, with everything that he does. And I think that we have opportunity to be just as intentional um, with our homes and, and we don't have to feel bad about it. You know, I, I think that um, I think there's wisdom, you know, in deciding, Hey, I'm not going to spend a thousand dollars on a rug because I don't have a thousand dollars to spend on a rug. Right. You, you right. don't have to do that. You can go to Target or Walmart or wherever and buy, you know, a $30 rug. Um, it's really not about how much money you spend. I think you and I both know that um, mm. it, it really is just about creating a space that, um, you're able to be on mission, you know, again, going back to that connection of I'd rather, you know, spend the money or I'd rather, you know, go out into the mission field and not saying that doesn't have its place because it does. But the mission of our, our homes is, I think, you know, in my opinion, the most important thing. Yeah. And, and you so beautifully have held a conversation online um, using the hashtag my whole home and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that, um, that whole idea and that kind of mission minded decorating, which is such an important part of my life as well. And the work that we do at Homes and Havens is really, you know, decorating and using home, um, you know, marrying both ideas, the brokenness and the beauty together. Um, and it's authentic and true and still beautiful. So could you talk a little bit about my whole home? Absolutely. So my whole home started, um, gosh, a little less than six months ago. This is March. So yeah, a little less than six, almost six months ago. It doesn't even, it's kind of crazy time. Is, I, yeah. I just say <laughs> that time is like warping. I don't know what's happening, but time is just, just feels like it's becoming shorter and shorter. I don't know if you feel that way. Yes. Um, but my whole home, um, really the heart behind it is to create a different type of conversation. Um, I, I, I stay online on social media, but really um, it, it is, has really been a conversation that we've held uh, explicitly via Instagram. And, and I say that because I think that, you know, all social media can be, you know, both have both the negative and positive effect on mm-hmm. who we are as a society, as a culture, as a people. Um, but Instagram um, holds a special place, I think, um, for so many. And it's definitely one place, one space for me where um, 
I've built, you know, a pretty significant um, community. And um, so we have that conversation specifically on Instagram, really, for the most part. And the, the idea behind it was really to shift the conversation in relation to home and what our homes and our spaces mean to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say us, I mean anyone who wants to take part in the conversation. So um, almost six months ago, I gathered um, some blogger friends who I felt have a pretty large following, who um, have really nice feeds. And I posed to them um, this idea that, hey, like, guys, we have so much power. Um, people really listen to us for some reason. Um, <laughs> for good <laughs> they really reason. admire and are inspired by what we do. How about we use that? We channel that. We funnel that. Um, and kind of shift the conversation for a little while and make people think about things outside of just what they see in their home, their homes, and also um, give them an inside look or a behind the curtains look, if you will, at what our lives look like when we're not posting pretty pictures. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's really that's a very simply, um, you know, it's the idea behind or the heart behind my whole home. Um, it honestly has transitioned or not even transitioned. I shouldn't say that word. Um, it's really evolved um, into something bigger than that. And I think surprisingly, when, when I started it, I had no idea. Um, I thought, OK, maybe people would kind of get excited about this. I know people, you know, we are and I'm, I speak for myself as well when I say this, like we just want to roll, stro- scroll through Instagram and tap and like and keep moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was a somewhat of a, like a virtual, like stop your scroll, think for a, a moment. So I was really, you know, like we were really asking people to do something that is countercultural in some ways. Right. Because right. nobody wants to read anything anymore. You know, people just <laughs> want to look at pictures. I mean, I'm not I'm, I'm not that's I don't mean to say, that's not a judgment. Like I'm in that, you know, like I just I just want to scroll. I just want to tap. I just want to like I just want to be inspired by pretty things and um, keep it moving. But um it was really, honestly, anytime I do anything online like that, it's really because I need it too. So right. just for everybody out there, in case you see that happen again, it's, it's, it's mm. for me, it's because I need it too. And I figure if I need it, somebody else needs it as well. Um, and then also, you know, just that statistically speaking, um, you know, reading a lot of things saying, you know, that people are really tired of um, the disingenuine. You know, people want, um, you know, real connection, they want to hear real stories. If they're going to read, they want it to be a real story. They don't want it to be junk. Um, you know, so, so knowing all those things, I was like, why don't we give this a go? And, um, people actually really love it. So that's been really fun to kind of dive into this idea. Um, which is obviously in line as well with just my heart behind home. Um, really, connecting people to the meaning of home and the purpose of home and helping them reconnect, if you will, back to um, their own spaces as well. Yes, I've really appreciated um, just reading through some of the posts on the hashtag. um, And just I appreciate that space that you're holding, because I think um, especially as women, um, even starting on this homemaking journey or starting to look at our spaces in a different way instead of impressing the world and, you know, shifting to blessing, you know, the world and our families. And that's something that, you know, God has really led me on a personal journey of discovery. Um, 
and changing my mission and my focus. And I think we are tired of looking at our homes as if they should only be used in a magazine or only be presentable to Instagram. And I think we, um, as women at our very core, want more. Um, We want our homes to mean more than just looking pretty on the outside, but really, especially in our cultures and just with the various brokenness that we all feel um, and share in our stories to just really long for a refuge um, and to use our homes as a shelter from storms and um, abuse and, and just the craziness that the world is right now. And I think that's where, um, Jesus wants to minister. Um, he wants us to not go, um, to a physical building, um, outside that's just for ministry, but I think he really longs for our homes to be that place of ministry, starting with, like you've mentioned earlier, our very own families, our own husbands, our own children's, our own, you know, roommates, um, Anyone that walks through that door, um, home is a sacred place that um, healing interactions can happen and sometimes even without words. I mean, and that's the beautiful thing about home um, and the layers that are there. And um, so um, speaking of the brokenness that we've faced in our stories and um, you have been feeling a very interesting place and, and a very, you're bringing to the table a very needed voice um, in the world. And, and personally I was drawn to you and it's just funny how we discovered each other um, because I have been looking for, I think it began in my heart of just kind of waking up to the fact that, um, in this design world and, and honestly, even in the nonprofit world, which is what Homes and Havens is, um, I just see an absence of um, black women and um, Hispanic women and a bunch of, you know, all all cultures and races. And I think for me, it started with asking a question of what are we missing out by not having them here? And um, it really started praying through that, repenting of personal ignorance and um, prejudice and really leaning into the uncomfortableness of asking hard questions and listening to voices that were different than mine. And um, and I don't know how that I stumbled upon your account, but you had been on Instagram stories talking about this very thing. And I was just completely captivated by your voice and your story and your courage to talk about this and have since read anything and everything that you've put on the internet about this subject, because I feel like, and especially when we talked on the phone before, I don't know, I guess that was a couple of months ago or weeks ago, um, again, time, (laughs) but um, it was just such a, you minister to me in such a profound way. And I really felt um, drawn to you as a prophet, you know, as a, as a light in the darkness, as someone who is taking the truth to a place that does not currently have the truth. And I would just love for you to share and speak more about the journey that God has you on, even using your voice, despite your insecurity or I mean, I, I can't imagine just the wrestling that you personally go through, but, but how important that is. And then what your message is to the world around you. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it actually it's kind of funny because I am going to be I'm going to be extremely candid with this because I feel like this is an area where I like either you are or people don't listen, you know. Mm. Um, so in other words, I'm going to be really vulnerable um, <laughs> and say a lot of things that might make people uncomfortable, <laughs> including myself. Yes. Um, but um, as far as the journey that God has me on now in relation to race and design and home and the space that women of color take up in this area, it actually kind of took me like it came out of nowhere. <laughs> mm. I, I say I've said for a few years that I think for a long time, and this may sound silly to some people. Um, but for a long time, I really actually kind of forgot that I was black. Like, mm. um, like I think that the, for many reasons, I think that the world, um, around me, the world that I've, I've, uh, grow, I grew up in, you know, coming from a small town, Guntersville, Alabama, um, where it to this day is still pretty segregated. Um, you know, black people have their area that they live in and white people have theirs. And um, I, I think I probably should go back to that before I even get to directly answering your question so that people have kind of an understanding of where I come from. Um, my neighborhood was black in every way. Um, but you literally you go three blocks, you know, south and you're in the white neighborhood. Um, or, I mean, practically the whole town is, you know, the white neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that was kind of the dichotomy of my life. I grew up uh, pretty much being the only Black person in a lot of different um, relationship circles, you know, um, or a lot of friend circles. I was the only Black girl. Um, and so having that as an experience, um, you know, but also going to Atlanta every summer and spending the entire summer there and living in a, the Mecca of blackness, if you will. Um, so so it was just like I, I knew who I was and I loved the, the blackness that I, I was able to experience in my own family, in my own home and then also traveling. Um, but then having to navigate as a black woman in a mostly white world for, you know, the a large portion of my life and even as we float through the military, having that be the case. And even now in Seattle, in our, um, you know, in our everyday living and in our church community, having that be the case, um, you just kind of learn how to not be who you are. I mean, that's just, mm -hmm. and, and again, it's not this conscious thing. It's just very subconscious, subtle thing that happens. And so I think the danger in that though, is as anyone, you know, any of us, especially as believers can imagine, like, just imagine God created you to do something and be something and you aren't doing that. I mean, mm -hmm. take it outside of the concept or, the, um, you know, this frame of race just as a human being. Um, and so, but I think that again, going back to speaking of God being very intentional with what he does, he intentionally made us the way he made us. And he intentionally made me a black woman in this world. And so um, I think it, 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 there was this moment three, four years ago, maybe three years ago, about three years ago, I remember actually standing in our church um, auditorium and speaking to someone and in that moment realizing, oh my gosh, I think I forgot I was black. Yeah. And, and, and that sounds, again, it may sound silly, but it was really profound, a profound moment for me because I remember crying 
and, and asking God for forgiveness because there was a part of me that number one, didn't want to be for a really long time because of the way that it feels to be that in this world sometimes. Mm. Number two, there was a part of me that didn't want to be that because I knew there was a God call in my life to do something really important with that and couple, you know, with the Holy Spirit and, and, and partner with the Holy Spirit and partner with God and do something with that. And it was scary. And, um, but, you know, fast forwarding now, and I, at that time, obviously I had no idea what that meant, what that looked like. I just knew that there was this burden to really dive into what it meant once again for me and to rediscover what it meant for me, Kanisha Nicole Bikes, to be a black woman in the space that God had placed me in. And so I guess you could say I've kind of been on this three year journey of discovering, okay, like not, not questioning, you know, not in a, like a cheesy way, like, Hey God, like, what does it mean for me to be a black woman? You know? right, it's right. just like, okay, God, I dedicate this time to walking with you and allowing you to reveal ugliness in me to, um, you know, to kind of really a similar journey as you, you know, as a white woman, you know, like, Hey, like, what are the things that are holding me back? What are the, mm. what are the, um, the wrong thought patterns that I've had about myself and about how I relate to other people who aren't like me? Um, show all those things to me so that when it's time for you to use me, you can actually, I can actually be effective. Um, and, and so here we are today. Um, I guess probably within this past year, six months to a year, um, I realized, okay, what am I doing right now? Like, how can God use me right now where I am, um, to host this conversation? And, mm. and I'm, I'm like, okay, home, let's talk about home and let's talk about the disparities that I think a lot of us see, but that we choose not to see in specifically this industry of design. And, um, and so I just had, you know, it's just like you have things that are burning on your heart and you just can't do anything but talk about them. And right. you're, and you just say, Hey, if we start talking about this, then I don't really know where it's going to go, but I just know I have to talk about it. And that's, kind of where I was and that's kind of where I am. I don't really know, you know, practically, I don't have like this grand plan um, or this grand process of what this will look like in a year. Um, but what I, what I realize is that if I want God to use me, um, I just have to be faithful in the little things to sound really cliche, but it's the truth. It and is. so he's given mm -hmm. me a platform. Um, he's given me strength. He's given me courage to open up a conversation, <laughs> open up a can of worms <laughs> um, and, and talk about things that are really hard for people to hear um, and to respond to. And um, I've had a lot of, you know, you talk about, you know, you said you heard me in my stories and video and all this stuff talking about some of this stuff. And I've had really amazing feedback. I've also had really not so amazing feedback from people who are really uncomfortable with the conversation, mm. which is fine. Um, which I totally expected. And, um, but it's been so refining and such a uh, process of growing and understanding for both sides, which mm -hmm. is amazing. Um, and yeah, I just uh, specifically with the design world, I think we talked about this the first time we talked on the phone. Um, there is such a disparity when you look, I mean, again, I hate to keep using Instagram, but you look at Instagram and you scroll through, if you follow, you know, a lot of home bloggers or um, designers, you will be hard pressed to find very many women of color. 
um, or and I and we'll be extremely inclusive here and say men of color as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that really, honestly, you know, the reason I say I think I forgot I was black. That was another reminder for me that you there's a reason that not only that you are a black woman, but that you're a black woman in this space. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I, it would be remiss of me to not bring it to the forefront and talk about it because it is happening. It's a fact. So I have a platform. I have the power to host this conversation and to bring opportunity to other people to recognize it, but also do something about it and, and also recognize the importance in it. This is not a victim issue. I don't feel bad that, you know, that there aren't, you know, other black women or as many black women as there are white women. I don't feel bad about that at all. I don't feel like anything's owed to me. I don't think any of us feel like anything is owed to us. I think that's a really important thing to bring up because I think a lot of times people feel like, oh, what? Like, so what, you know? Right. Um, but it's important because, um, gosh, it's important for so many reasons. I mean, just think, I just think just educationally, it's important historically to understand that the narratives that we have been fed our entire lives are not the narratives that are true. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really hard thing for a lot of people to understand um, that there are systems and there are orders and there are things that have been put in place that many people do not understand or have knowledge of um, to intentionally, and this is, gonna, this is really strong language, but to hold back lots of different people Mm -hmm. Um, specifically in this case, black and brown people. So um, when we talk about home, I think I talked to you about this when we originally talked, when I begin to like kind of dive into this and think about it more and think about, well, why aren't there more? Um, You know, home represents something completely different to uh, black and brown people than they do white people, uh, specifically in America. I've only lived in America, so I can only speak to that. Uh, But this this is a worldwide issue. Um, But specifically in our country, um, it looks different because um, home hasn't represented what it represents to you, you know, as a white woman, mm-hmm. um, what it represents as it does, you know, to a black woman. Black women um, were raising, you know, uh, again, this is crude language <laughs> in some ways, but very true. It is what it is. Um, you know, white children, um, they were cooking and they were in the kitchen. They were cleaning the home. You know, they were doing things mm-hmm. for other um, people's homes for Years And I, I think I may have mentioned this to you even today in my hometown in Alabama. And it's not just Alabama. I mean, I think we, I want to be careful with that, too, just kind of putting it all in the south because it's I live in Seattle and we have issues here. So but even today, it's it's still a thing. So I think until we really are able to be honest with ourselves about um, mindsets that we carry and. Um, things that we deem as just the way they should be or um, just the way they are, we can't really have an honest conversation, um, you know, about why there are very few um, women of color who are in this world of um, blogging, you know, home blogging or interior design. Right. I'm so glad you brought that up. That was literally one of the questions I had written in my journal was, you know, what does home mean to black women? You know, what is the difference? Um, The way our culture has, you know, communicated to us what home is and what our personal experiences have been. Um, And so I'm glad you touched on that um, as well. But 
um, I would love for you to describe too just how um, um, for those of us who are just starting to have, you know, these kind of thoughts in our head or, you know, leaning into curiosity about some of these issues because it, the subject of race is so charged right now in our society for good reason. Um, but I think for those of us who are really wanting to navigate what is truth and what are, what are the areas that are deserving of repentance and are deserving of reconciliation, um, what, would, what would you recommend for those of us um, you know, just even specifically white women who have never even encountered this idea. Maybe they're, they haven't even considered like, wow, there aren't any black women on my Instagram feed or, um, you know, in ads or home decor magazines or, or whatever the case may be. But what would you recommend, um, to those of us who are just starting this journey or those of us who still, maybe are feeling a little bit charged about the issue in general and saying, yeah, this feels uncomfortable. I just kind of want to step away and put my headphones back on. Um, What would you say to those women? Yeah, I think that I would have a spiritual answer and a natural answer. I think Mm -hmm. a practical answer. Um, I think the spiritual answer is kind of what you and I have already talked about. And when you said, Mm -hmm. you know, that you've been on this journey and I think the first thing Number one is recognition, right? Right. Mm. There has to be some type of recognition in some way. Something has to trigger or target um, your heart to begin to question why things are the way that they are. Um, I think to dig deeper into that, it it comes with asking God to reveal, Mm. Um, you know, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal those blind spots, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you your your wrong ways of thinking and then even deeper than that why you know why you thought that way yeah. um, and and I think that I think that we take for granted you know like everybody wants um and I'm not saying this is what you're saying because I know it's not but I I've definitely come into situations where everybody wants like a, a quick fix you know yeah like, hey give me the one two step you know give me the one two of how I can we can make this right and I think that it it's taken us hundreds of years to get mm-hmm. here. And I'm, I don't, I don't believe it, 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 it can, or it has to take us a hun- like hundreds of years to get out of it, but it's not, there's no quick fix. Um, I think we take for granted the Holy spirit. And I think we take for granted and misunderstand the power that he has to really do a work in our hearts. So I, I, I do believe that actually asking him, um, is a powerful step toward, um, healing and reconciliation and restoration. Um, I think very practically also, um, it's talking to other people. Um, they don't have to necessarily even not be like you. Um, other white women asking the questions, Hey, have you ever thought about, Hey, have you ever seen, Mm. Hey, what do you think about, you know, those types of questions? And yes, they do take courage. Yes, they do, um, take some type of bravery. Um, but, it's, it's like you always, you have one or two choices. Either you can ask those questions that are hard and uncomfortable or you cannot, and you can stay where you are. And I, I think that it, most of us would respond to that and say, we, none of us really ever want to stay where we are. Um, none of those, of, none of those of us who um, have a care um, for growing and for 
the commitment that we made whenever we made it to follow Jesus with all of our hearts. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's something that we, we are committed to doing is growing and to obeying God. And I, and I do believe that that's something, this is something that God is not just asking black women to do. Um, he's asking all of us to do together. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I think there is that, um, as I've had multiple conversations just with women around me and then in my city, um, there is this reaction to kind of when the blinders fall off and you're like, oh my gosh, this is still happening and there's pain and brokenness um, right here amidst us, you know, um, in our city and in our families and in our neighborhoods. And there is that temptation to, all right, what is the, how can we quickly just resolve this, get my check marks, you know, clicked of like, I'm not a racist or I'm not a this. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that the ongoing work, because for me, it's a it's a deep, deep work um, that is going to I honestly believe will last my entire life. And um, and I think when we look at it that way, um, the the tensions kind of dissolve a little bit um, and there's kind of a piece that settles that we're on a long journey together and. There's going to be moments where it does feel like too much or that you're not making any progress or that things will never, ever be different. And but I think we have to have faith to see that um, what isn't in front of us yet will happen. Restoration can happen. Um, Reconciliation can happen. And, um, you know, I even think about the work of building bridges and it, it's a long ongoing work and it's piece by piece, nail by nail, board by board and on both sides, you know, coming closer together. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's it's just uh, it's a really, really important work, though. And I'm so glad that you've been vulnerable enough to share your story on it and um, the work. And the and your personal experience of how that affects you as a woman, you know, as a designer, as a mother, as a wife, you know, and um, that it is still happening and it is an issue that we've got to wake up to. Um, Because like I mentioned earlier, we're missing out. Like, I think for me, um, it's really been just is such a amplifying question in my mind as the weeks go on is is what are we missing we are missing out by not having um like you talk about my whole home is is my that wholeness you know in our culture and and inviting all these people to this table because we all you belong here like this isn't um you know it's just broken if we if there's only one color at the table i i feel like the Diversity is beautiful and important to doing anything whole. And um, and I just appreciate this space that you take up so beautifully. And um, your voice is so clear and needed um, in our culture. And um, so I just really, really thank you for that. And the voice that you are giving just to me as a friend and then um, to the podcast as well. And um. And I'm interested to see, too, um, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your book that's coming out as well. So talk a little bit about that. 
So the book is the culmination. I'm no, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and then I die. No, yeah. <laughs> no, please don't. Wait, Kenisha, that's so dark. Why are you saying that? <laughs> um, so Restoration House is the name of the book. And we really just dive, uh, honestly, a lot into what we, you and I, have just spoken about, um, minus the racial reconciliation portion. That's my next book. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, in the book, I talk a lot about my personal story. I get really um, intimate, into intimate details of my home life and the way that I grew up and what home meant to me um, when I was a child versus what home is to me now and how those things are connected and how God has used all of it, all of those details to really bring me to a place of better understanding and continues to grow me um, in this, uh, in this space, in this whole idea of home and what he um, means for it to be in each of our lives. Um, And also um, how those stories can intertwine with others and how we can bring uh, others into our homes and kind of create spaces that are meant to uh, restore others as well um, and build community. And mm-hmm. so home is really just the, the central hub, if you will, of all those things, Re- restoration, um, you know, connection, community. Uh, our homes are really meant to be that. And so that's the spiritual side. The book is also very practical. So we will talk about, um, you know, how to make uh you know, color choices, um, different paint colors, um, you know, how to save money, uh, you know, when, when you're bringing, you know, when you're decorating your home, you know, what are some ways that you can do that without breaking the bank? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, entertaining, uh, we talk about all of it, hosting and all of those good things. So it's a really fun, fun, fun book. I'm super excited about it. I cannot wait. The moment you mentioned it on social media, I pre-ordered it and have been just anticipating its arrival every uh, as it gets closer and closer to time. But um, I do recommend for anyone who wants to learn more um, about Kanisha's work and her book and, and just some of the conversations we've been talking about to follow her on Instagram and to go ahead and pre-order her book because I cannot wait and it's going to be amazing. Um, but I really just wanted to um, say thank you, Kanisha, for just spending some time with us and um, being vulnerable and honest on some really important conversations. And um, I just appreciate you as a friend and a woman. And thank you for the work and the space that you take up and, and for bringing um, a wholeness to this community that we so desperately need. Thank you so much, Casey. Thank you for listening to the Homes and Havens podcast. Homes and Havens is a nonprofit in Chattanooga, Tennessee, that exists to create healing spaces for women in recovery. For more information about their work, visit homesandhavens.com.